You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Undersecretary for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs at the U.S. Department of State, Karen Hughes goes on the record online. I think clarity is one of the most important um, uh, aspects of communications. Uh, you know, you don't. I used to tell political candidates, you don't have to be witty, you don't have to be charming, you do have to be clear. People have to feel that they know where you stand. And thank you for joining us for this very special episode of On the Record Online, recorded at the PRSA International Conference 2007 in Philadelphia. This is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. We do in-depth one-on-ones with journalists from the mainstream media, as well as from time to time, discussions with bloggers, podcasters, and newsmakers. And we talk to them about how technology is changing and threatening to disrupt the mainstream media business. My name is Eric Schwartzman. I am the managing director of Los Angeles-based boutique PR firm Schwartzman & Associates. We specialize in entertainment, media, and technology. I am also the founder and chairman of iPressroom Corporation, which helps organizations including Target, Trend Micro, UCLA, and others extend the reach and effectiveness of their marketing and PR campaigns online using the latest new media tools and services integrated into one powerful offering. Today we have a one-on-one interview with Karen Hughes, the Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs with the rank of Ambassador. She is leading the development and implementation of a comprehensive public diplomacy plan built on three strategic objectives. One, to present a positive vision of hope and opportunity rooted in American ideals. Two, to confront ideological extremism by empowering mainstream voices to exhibit respect for Muslim cultures and contributions. And three, to foster commonality of values and interests between Americans and other cultures around the world. Previously, Karen was the director of communications while George Bush was governor of Texas Texas, from 1995 to 2000. Later, she was counselor to the president from 2001 to 2002 while Bush was president of the United States. In July 2002, Karen moved back from Texas for two years before she rejoined the administration in August 2004. Karen was instrumental in building both an effective message and strategy for President George W. Bush's 2000 and 2004 presidential campaigns. I am pleased to have her with us on this podcast, which we are going to play for you entirely unedited after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from my press room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Madam Undersecretary, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Now, during this time of war, 
what are the biggest challenges to promoting American ideals abroad? Well, obviously, it's a time when bad news dominates the headlines, the television screens, the pictures across the world. And that makes it a very difficult time, not only for Americans, but for audiences across the world. Uh, I like to say that a, a bombing gets a lot more attention than the opening of a school, even though 20 years from now, the opening of a school may have proven to be the more significant event. And so it's a, a difficult time. It's a time of great change in the world. I think the events since September 11th have been very unsettling for many people across the world. And so it's a challenging time. Uh, it, we, we are living in a very different time. I, when I took this uh, job, I uh, looked, tried to look at the lessons of the Cold War. And I found that in the communications world, at least, they really didn't apply because in the Cold War, uh, we were trying to get information into societies that were hungry for information. They, they viewed that as a lifeline. They wanted to hear from us. And that's not the case in very many places around the world anymore. Most places now were competing for attention and, and for credibility in a very crowded communications environment. In the Middle East, for example, 20 years ago, if you were someone living in the Middle East, you, most people didn't get television. Now you have a choice of 200 channels. And, and so uh, even the, the poorest neighborhoods have a satellite dish on almost every roof. And so we're living in a very, and the other, of course, big change has been the internet and the ability of news to go around the world in an instant. And I, I frequently wonder what the world's feelings would have been about World War II had they seen it every night, live, uh, instantly on the internet and in, um, in, you know, on television as they see this war against terror. The position of Undersecretary for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs has been a controversial position. Uh, over the last six years, three different people have held the role of Undersecretary, and in 2000, Rand Corporation published a paper on public diplomacy saying, misunderstanding of American values is not the principal source of anti-Americanism. How do you create support from the international community when some U.S. policies have been, are, and continue to be major sources of anti-Americanism? Well, it's a challenge, and as I mentioned in my speech here, um, the people's views of America uh, are a very complex tapestry uh, that you can you can form your views about America based on a movie you saw and didn't like. In the case of some conservative parents around the world who don't like the sex and violence of, of some of our movies, or you could be a young person who loves the music that you've heard and the fashions from America, and therefore you have a positive view of America. Or you can disagree with a government policy uh, and therefore not like America. Or you can have had a bad experience or a good experience with an American or an American company. And so it's a very very complex challenge. Um, the, the views of our country are, are painted by a lot of different artists that I don't necessarily control. I, I remember being in Saudi Arabia, and women there kept asking me, they were very angry about a program on domestic violence that had been on the Oprah show. And they thought that as a government official, I could control what Oprah put on her show, which of course I can't. Um, and, and so, um, but that was their mindset, their context was that because the media in their country is controlled by their government, that therefore we must be controlling the media in our country. And I think if you talk to an American about journalism, you probably wouldn't name Oprah as a journalist, more of a talk show uh, format and host. But, but that understanding was not really present 
uh, among the audience in, in Saudi Arabia. So it's an enormously complex endeavor. And I recognize that there are people across the world who are going to disagree with some of our government's policies. Uh, for example, Iraq. There are many people across the world disagreed with our decision to go into Iraq, even though the president made the decision in what he thought was not only the national security interests of America, but also the, the interests of the wider world. Uh, yet, yet many people disagreed with that. Um, it's it, one of the uh, more one of the po policy issues that's most frequently uh, brought up to me around the world is the Israeli-Palestinian issue. And people will say, well, we disagree with your policies. And I'll say, well, our policy is that we support the creation of a Palestinian state. Do you not agree with that policy? And they'll say, oh, yes, we agree with that policy. We just don't think you're pursuing it right, or we don't, you know, so it's, so it may not be so much a policy issue as a matter of emphasis, or whether they think we're really doing the kind of things uh, which, which we're working very hard to do to try to bring about a Palestinian state. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a very complex world, and people's views of, of our country are, as I said, made, painted by a lot of different artists. Now, you were instrumental in building an effective messaging strategy for President George W. Bush. What did it take to develop that messaging, and what, if any, universal lessons as a communicator did you take away from that experience that could be applied, applied to future strategic communications campaigns? You know, I think, I think when I think about it, it's, it's really two things. Um, one is, I think clarity is one of the most important um, uh, aspects of communications. Uh, you know, you don't. I used to tell political candidates, you don't have to be witty, you don't have to be charming, you do have to be clear. People have to feel that they know where you stand. And so I think simple, direct language, which is the language the president speaks in. Now, people, again, may agree with the president, they may disagree with the president, but there's not too often any doubt about where he stands. He's very, very clear. And I think clarity is important, particularly in a very crowded communications environment. And the second issue is, I think, compassion. And by that, I mean not just compassion in the sense of, of having a heart for people, but I think of caring about people and communicating that you care about people, that you understand where they're coming from, that you understand the issues in their lives. I, I used to say that some of the best things I did um, to, to in my role as a communicator was to go to my son's baseball games because I would stand on the sidelines and I would hear parents talking about what was important in their lives. And what's dominating the headlines in Washington is not is not often what Americans are really concerned about or talking about. And so I found that even more when I left Washington and moved home to Texas, that I would call up to Washington and people would be all obsessed over some story that was on the front page of the Washington Post that some congressman had said something and in Texas, nobody even was paying any attention. And so it, it's really an ability to understand what and, and have the compassion to communicate and resonate with people in what was important in their lives. Frank Lutz recently uh, released the book Words That Work, which gave some transparency and insight for communicators into the development of messaging uh, that resonates. Um, tell, talk to us about the role of research in creating effective messaging. You know, that's an interesting question because research is is obviously critically important, and it's hard for me to know um, uh, pollsters and in, in, the, in the terms of a political campaign, we did a lot of polling, we did a lot of um, uh, you know, testing of messages. I tended in America to rely primarily on my instinct. Uh, not as much on the polls. The, the polls would help us define the target audience or who was, you know, who, uh, the, the polling was more something that our political strategists used to decide where the candidates should go as opposed to what the candidates should say, I felt. Um, 
in in today's communications world around the world, I think polling can tell us a great deal about what audiences care about. You know, what what resonates with an audience in this country? What is what what are their values? What's most important to them? Um, so I do think that I, as I look at the world in a very diverse world, it's much more important that we do rely on research and and look at what audiences care about, as opposed to relying on that instinct that I I had that instinct from the from the sports field of my children or, or from just living my everyday life here in America, but that does not always apply in very different societies across the world. Uh, the internet is playing a more important role in, in presidential campaigns. In your experience, um, how will the internet change our upcoming presidential campaign? You know, I can't even imagine. They are doing things on the internet in this presidential campaign already that, that I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I the, the way I like to put it is the first presidential campaign I was ever involved in was 2000 when I was the communications director. I didn't even own a BlackBerry. Now, by 2004, when I was a communications consultant on the, the re-election campaign, I couldn't have imagined conducting a campaign without a BlackBerry. I used it every single day, constantly. And so the communications world is just revolutionizing the way uh, the way people campaign. I mean, we've even had a, a YouTube questions, a YouTube debate questions, and you know, it, it's uh, th this whole area of social media. It, it's hard for me to even get my mind around as someone who's 50 years old. Um, therefore, I started my career before the internet really even existed. Um, it, it's hard to imagine the ways it's going to change, but I think it certainly is going to empower citizens. We're, we're already seeing that. Um, citizens uh, with with a camera or a microphone or a, a radio are journalists. Um, we just saw a, a great example of, of the way the communications revolution is changing the world in the pictures that we saw, the dramatic pictures from Burma, when people there, when the monks there began to lead a protest against the government. You know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we might not have ever seen that if that had happened. But yet now, because people have cameras and the ability to access the internet and get pictures out, uh, we, you know, the world knew what was happening in that very closed society. Is it possible that that minimizes the importance of communications and, and public relations and it becomes more about what you do rather than what you say? I think it actually makes it even more important because in a, in a world with so many messages and so much information, the question I get most frequently is how do you know what to believe? And so I think the ability to put together a effective, credible public relations campaign to build support, to build relationships, to, to um, in a very honest way, communicate and focus and, and make strategic emphasis on a certain theme or a certain project becomes even more important. Final question. Do you have any political aspirations yourself? I mean, what are the chances no. you may someday? <laughs> no. You know, I, I really don't. It's um, it's interesting. In um, My mother used to always say that I was probably going to be a lawyer because I was really good at arguing and asking a lot of questions. That was my main strength when I went off to college. And uh, I uh, found myself um, going to work for then George W. Bush uh, before he was ever elected even governor of Texas. And I was, as his communications director, an advocate for him. In this role, I am an advocate for our country around the world. And uh, I, I really think I'm more comfortable in that role, being an advocate. I, I, don't, I don't feel uh, that I am um, interested, really, in, in seeking public office myself. Under Secretary but thank Karen, you for the thought. <laughs> Under Secretary Karen Hughes, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. 
You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. 